Today, our Savior focuses us on the truth that he has made us to be his people. He has washed us clean of all of our sin. And the word today urges us to go and be what we are in Christ our Savior. The words that will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession, so that you may be proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. At one time you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. At one time you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents in the world to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh which war against your soul. Live an honorable life among the Gentiles so that even though they slander you as evildoers, when they observe your noble deeds, they may glorify God on the day he visits us. To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, we are now a little more than a month into a brand new year. So how's it going? Have you accomplished some of the things already in this new year that you intended to do? Has this so far been a new year, new you? Or not so much. More importantly, how are things going for you as a called follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, I've got to be honest with you. When I look in the mirror, I really have to wonder. I mean, if the Lord were to sit me down for a heart-to-heart performance review of my life as one of his followers. How would that go? I mean, I set out with the best of intentions, but quite honestly, before too long, it just becomes a series of daily failures. Now, maybe that's just me, but I don't think so. And it's embarrassing. And it's frustrating. And it's demoralizing. And I find this awful truth that stares me in the face. I say, this time I'm going to get it right, Lord. This time I'm going to say exactly the right thing. Except then I don't. This time, Lord, when that particular temptation comes knocking on the door of my heart, I'm going to stand strong And I'm going to win the battle. But then I give in. And believe you me, Satan has a field day with that. You? A Christian? A pastor? How dare you stand before people pointing them to God's word and will when you know full well that you're nothing but a poor, miserable sinner? 
You, you know what you are. You're a joke. You're a failure. You're a fraud. And you know what? I'm not sure that I could prove Satan wrong about that when I look back on this mountain of sins and failures in my daily life because it all stands as mighty, incriminating evidence against me. Is it just me, or do you feel that way too? I mean, picture yourself in a sit-down with the Lord your God for a performance review of your life as his child. And he begins by reminding you of the things that his word says, and he leads you back into the Ten Commandments. And then he opens the file that is your life, your thoughts, and your words, and your actions. How would that meeting go? Can't you just picture Jesus sitting there, shaking his sacred head in disgust? Can't you just hear Jesus rightly pointing out that your life has been nothing but a series of should-haves, could-haves, and would-haves? Can't you just hear Jesus looking at you, saying, sadly, you know what you are? You're a failure. Dear Christian friend, if that's what you picture Jesus saying to you, then these words from 1 Peter chapter 2 are exactly what you need, and they're exactly what I need. You are not a failure. You are not a fake. You are not a phony. You know what the Lord tells you that you are? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that stunning? Would you focus on those words God is not saying to you this morning? You know, I really wish you would be, but you're not. The Lord isn't saying to you this morning, you know, it would be nice if once in your life you could perhaps be. He doesn't say that. He says this, dear Christian, this is what you are. You, personally, are a chosen people. Let that soak in. It's, it's not only, see, that God so loved the world. It's that God loved you personally. Loved you so much that he decided from before the creation of the world to work out everything in your life so that you could be his saved child. The doctrine of election or predestination tells us that he chose us in Christ before the world began. He sought you out. He brought you to faith through his powerful gospel. You. God doesn't just kind of put up with you. He loves you. He wants you. He chose you. What are you? You're a royal priesthood. Kings and priests not even just one or the other, but both. You have been adopted into the royal family of the Most High God, his heavenly royal family. 
You have been loved by that God with his perfect kingly love, and you are a priest before God. You have been given the right and the privilege to pray to God, to go to him directly. You don't need any priest or enter any mediator to stand in between you and God because the Lord Jesus Christ himself is your mediator before God. He is your go-between, and like an Old Testament priest, you have now been called to a lifelong spiritual personal ministry of love and service to the Lord your God in everything that you say and do. You know who you are. You're a holy nation. Holy. God has declared you not woefully flawed, but I guess you'll have to do. God has not declared you accepted, but only by the skin of your teeth. Believer, the Lord God, for Jesus' sake, has declared you holy. He has declared you to be righteous in his sight. And that's because the Lord Jesus, your Savior, washed away all of your sins with his holy, precious blood. You stand holy in God's sight because he has clothed you with a perfect life that the Lord Jesus Christ lived in your place. Together in Christ, we are all a part of this great army of believers, this holy nation of Christ's followers. That's what you are. And you are the people who are God's own possession. You have been connected to the true and only living God. You belong to him. Not like an old, forgotten, unwanted something or other that is stuffed somewhere in the corner of your attic that you don't really want any longer. No, Isaiah 62 says that the Lord delights in you. You, child of God, are his own prized, treasured possession. I don't know about you, but I know I need these treasured words. What a lift for my sagging heart. What a reality check this is for me because in spite of the fact that I often blow it, in spite of the fact that I daily sin against my God and fail him and others, people whom I'd never want to fail, the Lord here, with these words, lovingly elbows Satan out of the way and tapes his lying, wicked mouth shut. And he says to me, Dear child, don't listen to his lies and don't listen to the nagging voice of your sinful nature. Listen to me instead. This, dear Christian, this is who you are in Christ. These words have to rank among the most beautiful words in all of Holy Scripture. In these simple but powerfully profound phrases, the Lord, through the Apostle Peter, proclaims the new reborn identity of every Christian man, woman, and child, your new identity in Christ and mine too. Friends, this is what we are. Now that has some glorious ramifications. See, when the Lord calls us out of the darkness of sin and unbelief to a life of light, to following him in faith, he claims us for himself. He wants us, body, soul, and will. And so here in our text, having reminded you of who you are and what you are in Christ, your God lovingly puts an arm around you and, and then encourages you and urges you, now go 
and be what you are. That's what Jesus told us to do in today's gospel reading, right? He said to you, you are the light of the world. Don't take your light and put it under a bushel basket. Don't hide it. Let your light shine for others to see so that they can give glory to your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. Now go and be that as you live your life. Season the lives of others with Christian love and kindness. Function as a preservative in this world to keep it from rotting altogether. So now when the Lord tells you that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who are God's own possession, ask yourself, what is that going to look like as I live my life in his world? Well, one way is mentioned here in verse 9. He says, God did this so that you may proclaim the praises of of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you ever sing the praises of some doctor who helped you, healed you, maybe even saved your life? Did you ever sing the praises of your favorite restaurant to someone else? The food at this place is excellent. You've got to go try it. God reached down from heaven and took people who were completely disconnected from him and he joined us to himself. And he changed us. He changed our status from condemned to saved. He he changed our outlook in life from hopeless to certain. He, He changed our attitude from hating God and hating his word and will to loving him, his word and his ways. How could we not proclaim his praises? That's what you're doing today here in God's house in worship today. Proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And when the people whom you know, maybe people who aren't connected to Jesus or who are no longer connected to Jesus, when they see you making weekly worship a priority, when they see you living your life in Christian truth and grace and love and giving God glory in how you conduct your daily life, They're watching you, and when they see how you handle not only life's joys, but also life's sorrows, not only life's blessings, but also life's problems, how you show patient love to others, even when you're mistreated, how you're quick to forgive and slow to anger, when you glorify God in the godly, kind, loving way that you live your Christian life, you are proclaiming the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Be what you are. The Apostle Peter, writing down the words that the Holy Spirit gave him, doesn't threaten, did you notice? Doesn't bully. Doesn't put his hand on his hip and demand. He simply says in verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you. That's the proper response. And we see what God has done for us in the gospel, loved us and saved us. He just urges us, go be what you are. Now, How else is that going to look? It it will shape the way that we view our lives in this world altogether. Peter reminds us here that we are merely aliens and temporary residents in the world. We need that constant reminder, right? I mean, life 
in this world can be so demanding and so all-consuming that we forget that when we compare our time here with the eternity that will be ours after this life is over, our lives here in this world are, I don't know, like a five-day cruise somewhere. And when we learn to live our lives like tourists who are just passing through this present life until finally we're home, then we're blessed. We may lose some things in life. may lose some money. may lose some jobs. may lose some friends. might lose some happiness. But when we know that we're just passing through, we remember that it's all like realizing that you forgot to pack a certain pair of shoes when you're on a five-day vacation. You kind of wish you had them, but you know that you'll be home soon. doesn't matter. And Peter says, seeing ourselves as ones passing through this earthly life on our way to a forever heaven leads us to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh. See, as we grow in Christ and mature in our faith, we learn to just say no to the cravings of our sinful desires because they know that they will do damage to us, maybe damage to others, and they certainly will do great harm to our relationship with Jesus. You are light in the Lord. Friend, be what you are. By living our lives to the glory of God, what happens? Well, he is glorified. He deserves to be glorified and honored in the way that we live. But beyond that, Jesus reminded us too that unbelievers see our faith in action, the way we handle things in life with grace, the way that we are constantly turning things over to our Lord in prayer, the way that we go about functioning at our jobs, One's using our God-given gifts as one's working for the Lord, not for people. The way that we try to understand things in the best possible light about others, the way that we speak well of others, the way that we're quick to forgive, the way that we're quick to lend a hand or to stop and and listen with a compassionate, understanding ear, or, or whatever it might be, they see our faith in action, and before long, they want what we have been given in Christ. And then the door is wide open, the table is set for you to talk to them about Jesus. You are a witness to the saving grace of God. Be what you are. You know, it's not that I don't do those things I mentioned at the start of the sermon. Sadly, I do. I'm a sinner. I mess things up. I let God down. And you do too. But friends, those things don't define us. Jesus does. His precious blood has washed us forever clean His powerful gospel has given us new hearts of faith. His victory has made us more than conquerors through him who loved us. I know that we're all inclined to look in the mirror and wonder to ourselves, God, how could you ever love someone like me? Tell you what, in those moments, don't listen to your voice or your reason. 
Listen to his. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. Part of a holy nation. You are an individual who is God's treasured possession. Now, God bless you, dear Christian, as you go and be what you are to his glory. Amen.